Matt Shepard is a friend of mine. It's a powerful feature documentary about Matthew Shepard, the gay young man who was tortured and murdered in one of the most notorious hate crimes in U.S. history. Directed by Michelle Josue, a close friend of Shepard's, the film revisits the shocking case with never-before-seen photos, rare footage, and a revelation about Shepard's all-but-true-brief life. We're joined today by the director, Michelle Husue, and also by the producer of Matthew Shepard was a friend of mine, and that would be Liam McNiff. Welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Liam. Um, and I, first of all, I want to start by saying what a wonderful documentary this is, a uh, touching um, documentary, um, obviously put together with a great deal of love and, um, and uh, concern about Matthew and his life, the reflection of his life. But also what came out of it for me was the people that were in his life, particularly his parents, and all the people in his life, and how uh, what an impact his all-too-brief life had on them. But first I want to start by asking you, Michelle, what was it that prompted you to, I believe this is your first film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, first. It's my first feature film, correct. correct. But I have been you know, making short films, short documentary projects, editing for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think, all in preparation for me to make this film. Well, what was, um, the, what was the catalyst for you? What was the moment in, when you realized that this is a film you had to make? Really, the film has been inside me for 16 years, to be honest. Um, I was already in film school when Matt was attacked. I was a sophomore in Emerson. Um, and I was just watching all of this play out, and it was very, very devastating. But what, was, what I was also seeing take, seeing take place was my friend Matt become, you know, this unrecognizable figure, this icon, and he was just becoming robbed of his humanity. And it was very, very surreal to me at the time, and I kind of made a promise to myself way back then that when I was ready, ready and capable... I would create something, you know, a film to honor the mat that we knew and loved. But honestly, it really just took all this time. Um, and I think, you know, looking back, when Judy Shepard, Matt's mother, um, released her book, The Meaning of Matthew, I kind of took that as a sort of sign that it was ready for all of us to come forward and, and help her in her mission to, you know, make meaning from his death and, and to help them, you know, and support their cause to erase hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Michelle, let, let's go back just a little bit. Uh, where did you meet uh, Matt Shepard? What was the beginning and, and and your relationship moving forward from that point? What was that? I met Matt at a boarding school called the American School in Switzerland in the early 90s. We both ended up there um Matt's dad worked for an oil company, and they didn't have American schooling for students past, I think, like ninth or tenth grade. So Matt ended up at the school, and my and similarly, my mom was working for uh, the IMF in D.C., and I ended up there. So we went to this very small international boarding school, and we just became really close. 
Um, we both were in school plays together. We both loved the theater, and that's kind of where our friendship really um, developed. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with boarding school. It's just a very intense experience. You're growing up without your families, um, and you're living together 24-7. So, you know, invariably all of us became family, really. And um, on a, uh, Liam McNiff, the, one of the producers, co-produced with Michelle of Sway, uh, of uh, Matt Shepard, is a friend of mine. Um, I said was, and I apologize earlier. I didn't mean to say it that way. Matt Shepard is a friend of mine. Let me correct myself. Um, Liam, talk to us a little bit about your role uh, as uh, the producer for this uh, documentary. Yeah, sure. Um, Michelle and I are also married, um, and so I I met her soon after... Um, this happened, and so you know, and it was very, you know, she was obviously still kind of very much uh, devastated by what had happened and processing it, and trying to be able to be ready to, to sort of talk about it even, and to, to let let alone to tell the story. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we've worked very closely. Um, this is also my first film. Um, and you know, I'm just the producer. I help get the money. I do the contracts. I you know, tell people when things stink, and I tell them when they're good. <laughs> we, we'll get back into all of that. I know that this was uh, this project also had uh, was some uh, funding from Kickstarter. We'll get into that, but I think okay. for our listeners, right. and you you touched on it, Liam. I, I think it's important. I think there's an assumption uh, on the part of myself, and I uh, that I remember this. I remember when this happened. Obviously. Uh, the tremendous amount of press that it generated. But I think for a lot of our listeners who, again, it is uh, 17 years ago, or what are we looking at? Something in the order of... It's almost 17 years. Yeah, 17 yeah. years ago. Let, let's go back and describe uh, the circumstances surrounding uh, the murder of Matt Shepard. Um, Michelle? Oh, sure. Um, so it was the night of October... 1998, um, my friend Matt went to a bar in Laramie, Wyoming, um, where he met Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson. Uh, these two young men targeted Matt uh, because because they saw that he was gay, um, and they pretended they were gay him, themselves to gain his trust. Um, they lured him into their truck, um, saying that they would give him a ride home. Instead, they ended up robbing him and beating him. Um, they drove out to a remote field on the outskirts of town. Um, again, they beat him viciously and tied him to a small buck fence and left him there to die. And then Matt was found 18 hours later um, by a, a bicyclist who happened to come across um, Matt in the field is just very, very randomly. And Matt was, he suffered major, major damage. Um, they didn't think that he would, if he had come out of his coma, they didn't think, um, well, I'd like to backtrack. Um, they found him, they brought him to the emergency room, and they saw that his injuries were extensive, mm -hmm. and Matt was was in a coma for five days, and then he died on October 12th, 1998. Now, I alluded to it um, in in my question, and that was that it, it was such a brutal crime, uh, and the speculation very early on was that it was because he, he was so badly 
brutalized that because he was gay. Uh, the the uh, the story had a lot of elements in it. I mean, obviously, um, a murder, uh, the circumstances, uh, where it happened, which is I, being in from this part, being from California, I know little, very little about um, Wyoming and Montana, that part of our country. So it had a lot of elements where there was some interest, and the story just took off. And I think that's a, would that be a, a safe characterization? Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I, you know, I think one thing we touch on in the story is that Wyoming is kind of a very exotic place yeah. in some ways to the rest of the country and the rest of the world. Um, it kind of, in many ways, I think, is personifies the West, you know, cowboy culture. It's, it's, it's a rough place. It's a beautiful place. Um, and, and, you know, people who don't live on the coast of this country, you know, they don't enjoy a lot of the sort of, the sort of accepting environment that we kind of take for granted, you know, in big cities like Los Angeles mm-hmm. and in Southern California, I think, uh, you know, largely. But, you know, there are a lot of elements in the story that kind of speak to that. You know, Matt, one thing that really speaks to the fact that Matt became, sort of lost his humanity is that he was personified as this kind of like Midwestern boy next door when in fact he wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. he, he had this very kind of, um, I, I don't want to say cosmopolitan, but he, you know, you know, upgrading. But he went to an international boarding school. His, his, he lived in Saudi Arabia. He lived in Switzerland. You know, he lived in, in various places in the U.S. Um, but, but you know, the story kind of stuck. And you know, you've of course got the symbol of the fence, which is to us here very exotic. But you know, if you go to Wyoming, um, the buck, the buck fence that is so iconic, you know, a symbol associated with the story. You know, you see them everywhere. They're totally mm-hmm. commonplace. I do think the location had a lot to do with it, as well as the brutality of the crime. The brutality, and and the, and, and it did sort of catch a certain cultural uh, zeitgeist. I think a lot of uh, there was an emerging uh, understanding that gay people, uh, sort of the nascent kind of civil rights movement, if you will, for uh, for gays and lesbians. And given that this was a country that was just kind of coming out of the uh, the scourge of AIDS, and that brought a lot of people's awareness to um, gay people. And then here's a, a young man uh, really on the just beginning his life and to have it so brutally uh, taken from him in what was, in, I think, safe to say, obviously a hate crime. Uh, I think that did galvanize a lot of this kind of interest. Got to the point where, if Michelle, help me out here, I believe... Uh, well, you, you show a clip of President uh, Bill Clinton. Tell us a little bit about just how much we were looking at in terms of how much it generated in, 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 uh, in um, publicity and attention. Sure. I mean, Matt's attack changed the cultural conversation and just opened so many people's eyes, um, especially the heterosexual community. It opened their eyes to what was happening, um, you know, There were hate crimes that happened before Matthew Shepard and after, but for the various reasons that Liam discussed, it was it was what happened to him that really captured the world's attention, Um, and and it's really surreal how this all happened. But you know, it really did take hold of of the the media cycle at that time. Um, It was on every news channel, um, as you mentioned. President Clinton 
had a statement about it on the White House lawn. Um, there was rallies and protests all across the country, including um, in Washington, D.C., and we, we include a section of this um, in our film where Ellen DeGeneres and several, you know, prominent LGBT activists and, you know, actors stand up and, and protest what happened. It just really took hold of... Um, took hold of everyone's attention for that period of time. Yeah, and I also... It's very confusing to me. <laughs> well, okay, we'll also, get... Well, go ahead, Liam. I think it's also, you know, the thing that a lot of people don't consider when they ask that question, because it's a big question, you know, why Matt? I think there was something like 30 that year, um, you know, hate crimes or gay bias hate crimes, and, you know, the, those numbers really haven't changed, unfortunately, the amount of deaths, although there has been a lot of progress. But I think... You know, people always say, why Matt? And there's a lot of reasons why, obviously, the way he looked is one of them and where it happened. But I think also, you know, you have to point out his parents. Yeah. I think when you're talking about the heterosexual community in particular, especially, you know, like the white heterosexual community, you know, you look, it's hard for people um, to, to, to look at Judy and Dennis Shepard and hear them speak and not kind of really identify with them on, on a visceral level for whatever reason. And I think that, you know, the fact that his story kind of went somewhere and had sort of a legacy is largely because of them and, and all the work. I think that's an excellent point. We, I do definitely want to talk about Judy and, and Dennis Shepard. Um, I also think that there was a, the, the contrast between them and then the, the, you have you know, the disgusting uh, uh, spectacle of the, of the Fred Phelps and that Westboro Community church, you know, the, the, being at the, you know, at the funeral and all the different, all the, all the things that were going on. I think it it really was such a a remarkable um, kind of uh, visual and contrast and psychological contrast to see to see those images and you know this these this grieving family and this obviously a very uh, sensitive and warm individual who's being you know just just trashed by these idiots. Um, so I think that that didn't hurt the you know for the nation to see that in sort of black and white terms, which is yeah. I th- think oftentimes what we need. We need that sort of, unfortunately, we need that sort of visceral jo- uh, jolt to see things as they are. And I think that had a lot to yeah. do with it as well. well. Let's go back to Michelle. And by the way, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Michelle Husue and also uh, the director producer as well as the producer, um, Liam McNiff. When you decided to move forward the film, um, who was the first person that you approached uh, about uh, telling their story, their, their, um, their reflections on Matt, and, 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 gaining the, and uh, talk to us a little bit about gaining the confidence of these people as you move through that process? I think I'm in a unique, I was in a very unique position since I was you know, a close friend of Matt's. Um, but the very first person I spoke with um, about the project was his mother, was Judy Shepard. She happened to be in Los Angeles, um, and Liam and I contacted her, and we, we had lunch, and I, and I spoke to her about, you know, my idea for the project. I think she always kind of knew that this was something I had always wanted to do, um, and Surely enough, she gave me her her blessing. But you know, it was very, very important that I approach I approach the Shepherd family first. 
And then after that, um, I started speaking with his other close friends, um, and that was quite easy for me since, you know, they're also close friends of mine. um, (laughs) That's our dog. (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice touch. Punctuating. (laughs) So, so, uh, yeah, so obviously after Judy, now was uh, was, uh, Matt's father, Dennis, who... Really is just a beautiful. Well, they're all. I mean, Judy and Dennis are both beautiful people. I mean, really, on so many yeah, levels yeah. as parents and just and as people who uh, were able to kind of see beyond the circumstance, these tragic circumstances, and really seize an opportunity to do something profound. Um, but um, the people that you, the other people in the film, I'm referring to like Nikki and Tim and. Um, I hope I'm leaving out Kate. All the people who were friends of his throughout their life. Uh, any, I mean, they they seem to be all in when when you're interviewing them. Um, was that the case? Did everybody feel like they needed to yeah, be a part of this? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We definitely collectively all wanted to do this, um, but it wasn't. You know, there wasn't an excitement or an eagerness there. You know, it was. It was. We all knew that this had to be done, um, but it was still difficult. You know, I was asking these people to sort of open up these old wounds and be very vulnerable and remember these painful memories on camera. But they're all amazing and wonderful advocates in their own right. And they knew that this, that it was just important to do this for Matt. Um, so yeah, they, they were all on board. But basically, you know, we just wanted to speak to people in Matt's life that could, um, that were intimately involved in the various stages of his life, from his childhood, adolescence, um, and then his murder and the aftermath. Yeah, um, Michelle, you're you're a, a wonderful presence in the film. There's uh, there's not um, a lot of voiceover. No, there's a little bit of voiceover. A little that oh. I do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you did, but I again, yeah. this is a uh, you know a piece where you're you're the you're there to doing the interviews, but also we catch you in some, certainly in some unguarded moments and uh, true emotional moments when you're reflecting and you're talking, particularly with Judy and uh, Judy Shepard and others. Um, what did you, I'm just curious from a point of view, not so much as a filmmaker, but uh, but just as a, you know, an individual who knew Matt, um, were there, is there something that you found out about him or realized in the course of making this that, surprised you or uh, you know any any significant impressions in making the movie that you didn't expect sure and i i do get asked this question um so it's really interesting to reflect on it but um you know what surprised me was sort of the depths of matt's sadness um you know we had a great friendship, a very close friendship. However, the Matt that I knew was just always very happy and gregarious and full of life, um, kind of the life of the party, if you will. So that was the Matt that he revealed to me. Um, You know, I still knew him to be a very sensitive soul, um, and I was aware of, you know, his trauma and and Marrakesh and stuff, but I didn't realize that he was still suffering, you know, so many years, you know, a few years later from what had happened and that he was really, really quite depressed. So to learn about it and to come across his his writings and his and his poems um, and really read about what was going on in his head and seeing him struggle so deeply, that, 
that really was surprising, and it was really heartbreaking, too. And, and one, one sort of follow that thread a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about... Uh, I want people to see this film. By the way, the film is Matt Shepard is a friend of mine, um, and it is opening It is open in Los Angeles and New York, and it's rolling out across the country, and you can go to mattshepardisafriendofmine.com to find out more about the screenings, and there's all kinds of other things that you can be a part of. You can be friends of Matt, um, and Liam, as the producer, let's let's do a little pitch. Uh, I know Kickstarter was a, 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 bit, a big part of of the making of this film. Uh, are we still looking for money to help uh, get to distribute, distribute this film? Uh, I, are we looking for, to, for people to host screenings of this film? Talk to us a little bit about that part of it. Yeah, we'd love people to reach out to us if they're interested in hosting screenings. Um, you know, our theatrical run is definitely uh, in select cities. It's limited, so if people, you know, feel that they're in a place where, you know, we're not able to service them theatrically, you know, we would love for them to reach out to us and let us know if they want the film. Um, we're not really uh, looking for fundraising for distribution specifically. Um, we, you know, we've pretty much got most of that nailed down, but we are actually considering um, looking for support for educational materials mm-hmm. so that we can create programmatic materials for people to use in schools uh, and communities across the country and around the world so that you know, we can teach kids about, about what happened and because you know, kids don't know about this story and you know, have them learn you know, about about Matt so that they can avoid, you know, making those types of bad choices and having this sort of violence, you know, happen in our society. Um, and, uh, yeah, Kickstarter was great for us. You know, Kickstarter, we, you know, it's really, it was really interesting trying to make this film because, you know, Michelle and I, between the two of us, you know, I've worked in television as an editor for many years. Michelle, as she said, you know, has been producing and directing stuff independently for many years. We probably had like 20, 20 years of experience in production between the two of us. But we, you know, we, we just couldn't get, we couldn't get anyone to give us money. We couldn't get our foot in the door when it came time uh, to start financing the film. And so um, we found ourselves on Kickstarter, and, and it was just the greatest thing. I mean, you know, we, we proved everyone wrong. We proved that there was. Uh, a market for the film and that there was a desire for the film and an audience. We raised just under $100,000 in two separate campaigns, and we actually were able through uh, Kickstarter to connect with um, the remaining uh, private investment that we needed to, you know, to, poli- to complete the film and, you know, bring, bring the chain of title home. So Kickstarter was great for us. Kickstarter is great for independent film. Um, but more than anything, Kickstarter was great because it allowed us to begin to connect with our audience. Mm-hmm. And to begin to understand uh, the market and the audience for the film, and I, I just, I, you know, it's, I just can't say enough about about how valuable it was. It was more than money for us. It was really more more than money. It was research and marketing for us. Yeah, and finding our community. Yeah, and finding finding and growing our community and staying in touch with them as well. You know, you're echoing some of the things I've heard from other uh, independent filmmakers, and that is couple of things going in. I think this is important. A lot of filmmakers listen to the show, and that is they, they already know if they don't, if they don't know already, I should say, they'll, they, they'll learn, soon learn that Kickstarter is not something that's a casual thing that, oh, we'll start a Kickstarter page and, and we'll just let it, we'll let it grow. But in fact, I've been told a number of times, you really have to have someone devoted to that particular part of your production. Literally, it's almost a full-time job. 
Is that you? You really do. It's not. It's not just a full time job. It's like a super gnarly, hardcore full time <laughs> job. Like it's, it's bad, man. But, but I mean, it, it. You know, it's it's also this sort of wild thrill at the same time when you succeed. And you know, that person honestly was was Michelle. I mean, she Michelle, on top of being a brilliant filmmaker, is like a social media marketing like juggernaut you know, monster beast. <laughs> and she really kind of, she's really the one who kind of, um, this is true. you know, does a lot of that and she's really, really good at it. And, and that's one of that. Honestly, that's, that's really one of the main reasons that we're successful. And, right and, 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 and just to one, put a point on that last thing or last couple of things you were saying. And that is the other part, which you, you obviously were talking about is that it does connect you. That's one of the, I guess, the byproducts that may not be expected initially when you're going out looking for money. But it part of that full-time responsibility, Michelle, it sounds like you know all about this, is, as you said, finding your audience, connecting on a personal level with your audience. Go talk a little bit about that. I mean, I, yes, I ended up being kind of the de facto Kickstarter um, uh, president, I guess. <laughs> but um, I, I can't take all the credit because Matt, in his, like you said, his all too brief life, he had amazing friends and we have a, an amazing tight net, um, group of friends that came out of um, the American school in Switzerland, the boarding school that we attended together. Mm-hmm. So he literally, Matt had friends all over the world. So they really kind of were um, my little champions and they really, like, helped me um, when we started this Kickstarter campaign, just, like, getting it out there. And then it just grew and kind of took on this little life of its own. And I was, in fact, connecting with people all around the world who were sharing, you know, their personal stories with, with me. And it was such a privilege. But, you know, I felt, of course, an obligation to, to all these people. So I would write everyone back, um, Everyone who tweeted at me or wrote me Facebook messages or wrote me back on Kickstarter, you know, I would take the time and write them back because if they were taking the time and and opening up their wallets to help what we wanted to do, like, that's the least I could do. And, And I feel like we have these relationships and these ambassadors all around the world who have little you have like ownership over over the film. Like it definitely was. It's this really amazing kind of group project. I, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough about that. Like, the, the thing, you know, this film has been incredibly difficult every step of the way. It's just been blood, sweat, and tears, like, since the very beginning, even till now, you know, getting great reviews and being on TV and stuff. It's just been really, really hard. But the reason that we've been able to get as far as we have and the reason, you know, why we've sort of keep overcoming obstacles is just because you know, we fought really hard, we haven't given up, and at every step of the way, someone kind of just appears who is the champion that we need at that particular point in time. And, you know, I, I really can't say enough about that, because as much as we've been, you know, Michelle has been kind of the driving force, someone always just comes along and champions us at the right time. And, you know, like, you know, recently the champion was like The View, but before The View, there were like, you know, there were film festival assistant directors who just like really were personally invested or there was a publicist who was invested or before that there was you know a, a donor on kickstarter who, who was invested or you know or an investor so it's been it's been really really interesting in that way and and we really are here you know because of a community and it's not in the usual way of like you go out and you get money from an investor or you attach 
some big wig, you know, with clout to your movie. It's really just been a certain people along the way have sort of been able to lift us up and push us up to the next level. Well, I'm looking at the website right now, and that is Matt Shepard is a friend of mine dot com, and winner of five best film awards at film festivals, as you just we were just talking about, official selection at the uh, IF, IDFA, uh, also at Mill Valley, also at Doc NYC, also at the LGP LGD. Oh my goodness, LGBT Film Festival in Saint Petersburg, Russia, uh, all kinds <laughs> of all kinds of places. Uh, Michelle, I just want to talk a little bit about, as we end here, a little bit about not only um, the uh, the story of Matt, but also uh, the the aftermath of, of the trial and and uh, the work being done by by Judy and Dennis. But I also want to compliment you on your film, um, as from a technical point of view. I think it's a it's a beautiful film to look at. It's shot well. It's edited beautifully, and there's a lot of interesting things that you do just from a filmmaking perspective that I, I really appreciated about your film. It's a beautiful film to look at. But as we wrap up, I talk a little bit about the work that continues to be done um, by a lot of different people, but obviously Judy and, and Dennis Shepard. Sure. Um, thank you so much. It was very kind of you to say. Um, as far as the Shepherds go um, in their work, when I met Judy Shepard in high school, I just remember that she was such a shy, quiet woman, clearly intelligent, um, but still very, very introverted. So to see her now as such a vocal, powerful champion for the LGBT community, it's just unbelievably inspiring. Um, Even so many years after Matt's death, Judy and Dennis are out there tirelessly fighting for all the Matt Shepherds out there, Um, and it's just unbelievable the, the amount of courage and strength that they have. They're honestly just heroes of mine and incredibly special people. Um, not there, I don't think there are many people who have that kind of courage who could take such an, an incredibly awful, horrific pain in their life and turn it into something so inspirational and hopeful for the rest of the world. Um, so that was something that was very important for us to share in, in the end of the film. You know, we just want to implore the audience to think of, when they think about Matt, to not only think about the horrific way in which he died, but his beautiful legacy is embodied by his parents, how they're, they're out there to this day just fighting, trying to affect true change. Um, yeah, it's just a, they're just amazing, wonderful human beings. Well, I want to thank you so much for being a part of film school. Um, and uh, just to, you're absolutely right. And, and thank you for making a film, both of you, Liam McNiff and uh, Michelle Husway. Thank you so much for, for doing this. It, I, I think seeing this living, breathing document um, really helps personalize what, as you said, was a horror at the time. Uh, to be reminded that there's still a lot of work to be done amongst people who still share these incredibly backwards and awful points of view about gay people. And and I want to thank you again, uh, both of you, uh, the director and producer, that would be Michelle Husue, as well as the producer, uh, Liam McNiff. Thank you for being on Film School. You're very welcome. Thanks so so much much. for having us. It's been great.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.